0: Let's go ahead and move into conservation and ethics. This doesn't come free. There's a lot that goes into the sport of fishing. We first have to ask, why do we have dnr and game wardens and fisheries and all the other stuff that's that's kind of wrapped up into this um well there's there's four good answers uh one is the to protect the natural environment and to create you know recreation opportunities um a real big general protect the public health and one that i am particularly um Uh, concerned with is provide for prosperity this stuff doesn't happen by accident it doesn't happen naturally this is something that we manage and if we manage it well it becomes a real gem and real diamond let's take a look at history of wildlife in uh, in indiana Uh, indiana became a state in um, 1816 uh, we had a population of around 140,000. That's Bloomington on a football weekend when we're playing Ohio State. Um, not that many people. Uh, we had about 19 million acres of forested land. You, they said that a squirrel could um, leave a tree in Boston and hop from tree to tree until the Mississippi River. Well, that in certain places they could do that. In Southern Indiana, they, they certainly could. Northern Indiana was primarily uh, prairie uh, with buffalo. Um, up until about 1830, when the, uh, the last buffalo uh, left the state of Indiana. Um, lynx, uh, the cat, Uh, was last seen in 1832. Black bear was driven out um, by the um, mid-1800s. Elk disappeared about the same time. Mountain lion uh, disappeared the same time. Uh, This is uh, about 10 years before the Civil War. Mountain lion and wolverine were, were last seen in Indiana. Okay, here's something that's really bizarre. I know that a lot of you will not believe this white-tailed deer it was the last seen in in indiana in 1893 they actually know the f- the name of the farmer who shot that deer it was the the last recorded deer in the state wolves were were gone by um, the the early 1900s <clears throat> by 1915 We had gone from 19 million acres of forested land down to 1.5 million acres. Before you totally freak out about that, remember, everything that we did back in those days required wood. Transportation required wood. Your buggies, your wagons, were made out of wood. We didn't have steel to make steel wagons. They were made from wood. Um, You like butter on your bread? That butter was made in a butter churn that was made of wood. You liked bread? That bread was mixed in a bread bowl that was made of wood. That was rolled out on a breadboard that was made of wood. When you got tired, you sat down in a chair that was made of wood. You ate at a table that was made of wood. In a house that was made of wood. You cooked over a fire that was made of wood. So you kind of get the picture here. We used wood for everything. And so it's no surprise that you know in a hundred years we had used up most of our wood supply. And it's not just Indiana; this is the entire U.S. Um, so at the start of the First World War, w- there were not that many trees in the United States, uh, uh, particularly in in Indiana. Um, Porcupine um, uh, disappeared um, First World War Uh, Prairie chicken was last seen in uh, 1972 I have no idea what a prairie chicken is Um, Not all is lost This is where the public and government intervention comes in uh, primarily in the form of Department of Natural Resources, that today, with a population of around um, 6.6 million people, we have white-tailed deer everywhere. They were originally uh, introduced in uh, 1934. Uh, this was during the uh, the uh, Great Depression and we imported uh, 296 deer i believe from wisconsin and you can see the results right now you probably saw a deer on campus um this week i mean they're they're just literally everywhere um turkeys were reintroduced in the 1950s uh river otter uh introduced in the, the 1990s um I I know a couple people who are involved in that project. Uh, Incredibly successful project. Um, Right now the DNR is trying to figure out how to introduce a river otter trapping season. Because they have too many freaking otters. Uh, These guys have reproduced very, very well. And they are starting to do some damage. Any property owner who out in the country who has a small lake that they have spent several hundred dollars stocking with fish the last thing they want to see is a river otter because you never see one river otter you'll see an entire colony of otters and otters are very opportunistic eaters and they will literally stay in one particular place until the food is gone so if you have a nice two-acre pond, you know, with hundreds of fish in it, they will sit there and they will stay and eat until there are literally no more fish in those waters. Then they'll leave. So this has become a, um, a real problem for some property owners. Uh, Black Bear, uh, we have a, a male down near Camp Atterbury um that was uh, has been seen since um uh, 2015 there's rumors that he found a um, uh a, a mate um don't know we may um, we we may see you know <laughs> we may see a lot more black bears um there's been rumors of a mountain lion for decades around Bloomington, Uh, there was a pretty credible report uh, last year of a uh, mountain lion dining on a house cat over in Brown County. And they have everything except a really clear picture of it. Uh, We have coyotes in the city of Bloomington. Um, We have a lot of wildlife. Uh, Our forest land has increased to about uh, 4.5 million and whenever you consider that we're trying to support uh, and house uh, six and a half million humans, um, 4.5 million acres of forested lands, not doing all that badly. Uh, We would have to start tearing down a lot of uh, apartment complexes and uh, suburbs to really increase that uh, to any great extent now. So this is where a lot of your taxpayer uh, dollars uh, are, are going. We're going to talk more about that in, in Unit 2. But all of this brings to us to the point where we need to talk about uh, fish and wildlife regulations. Uh, most of you probably know that if you're going to fish in Indiana, you need a uh, state fishing license. And you can get that. Online. It used to be you went into a sporting goods store or a hardware store and bought your fishing license. Those days disappeared uh, back in the 90s. Um, nowadays, you do this online. And um, this is a website for the uh, DNR um, the fishing guide. And I am not going to go into this in real great depth. I'm going to kind of leave this up to, to you folks. Um, I encourage you to uh, click on the link and uh, explore the website. It's actually a pretty decent website. They've done a lot of work on this over the years. Um, when In the infancy of the Internet, it pretty much sucked. Um, but they've gotten much, much better uh, with their their web development so anyway um i encourage you to get a copy of the of the regulations you can also find these at some of the larger sporting goods stores like dick's or cabela's or something like that um uh they'll be made they're made pub uh, uh, free to the public uh, you just have to to find a copy i usually end up just downloading the uh, pdf uh, of it so let's talk about what you'll find inside the regulations. <clears throat> Number one, who needs a fishing license? Basically, anyone over the age of 18 uh, needs a fishing license. Whenever you, you know, start to become a, a, a really old person, oh my gosh, 67. <laughs> well, okay, I only have a few, few years left. Um, you have to buy a fishing license and fishing license are pretty inexpensive i mean we're talking less than than a pizza um, i think the basic license is uh, 17 dollars i always buy what's called a combo license which is the fishing and hunting license for 25 i've i've just done that kind of as a just an annual renewal type thing uh in unit two we're going to talk a lot more uh, about this but um, there are a few exceptions um, with who needs a license but for most able-bodied people um, you need a license you need to carry the license with you while you are fishing and present it to a conservation officer, or any other law enforcement officer that, that asks to see it. Some states require you to wear your license on the visible, uh, on the outside. In Pennsylvania, um, you have a little pouch that you clip to the back of your fly fishing vest. Um, some people will, will, will clip it in a little pouch to their uh, hat. Um, check each individual state because it it varies one caveat when we're talking about fish and game regulations exceptions there's always exceptions to a rule and this is why if you are going to fish and you are going to buy a license i really encourage you to spend you know 20 minutes uh, 30 minutes reading through the regulations there's exceptions to everything. We'll, we'll talk about that in more in j- just a moment. But remember that you you have to carry the license with you. I have my license in a uh, uh, a little pouch that I keep in my my uh, uh, creel bag, and I don't fish without the Creole bag, so I always have the the, the license with me. Some species will have specific seasons that you can fish for them. In Indiana, the only uh, species that's regulated uh, by season are trout. and again, look in the regulations to see specifically when those dates are are, are published. Uh, typically, you know it'll be April. Um, April 15th is. I think, what it is right now. Uh, Creel limits. Some species are regulated as to how many you can keep. Not catch, but keep. Uh, In regulations, you'll see a term called black bass. And black bass simply um, kind of aggregate uh, largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, spotted bass, Kentucky bass, uh, rock bass, so on and so forth um, uh, into a black bass group. Uh, Minimum size is 14 inches if you're fishing in lakes and 13 inches if you're fishing in in rivers. Uh, You can keep five of these per day. You can catch six. You have to throw one back. And... pay attention to this because if a conservation officer um, uh, peers into the back of your pickup truck and you've got a bucket um, five gallon bucket there and there are are nine tail fins sticking out and you're the only one fishing there's going to be a problem Um, bluegill there are no general um, creel limits Uh, you can catch as many as you want um, red ear, there's, there's 25, uh, striped bass, uh, 2, uh, no size limit. This is where the exceptions come in. Check the regulations. Also, check the particular body of water that you're fishing. Very often you will see signs posted that in this lake you cannot keep any catfish in this lake you can only keep largemouth bass between 12 and 15 inches that's called a slot limit Um, it gets pretty nuanced and so you really kind of have to pay attention here um i don't want to to impart any fear um and anyone about fishing and getting caught by the conservation officer, you know, for, for a violation, generally these guys and, and gals are, are very cool. Um, they're, one of their primary jobs is education. And if you have some minor infraction, you're not going to be put in jail. Um, they'll probably just, you know explain the regulations to you and ask you not to do that again In the very worst case they might give you a citation Um, sometimes it could have a a small fee attached to it uh, but it's absolutely nothing to freak out about Um, we'll talk more about conservation officers in uh, in in unit two here's um some of those um uh, exceptions that i was talking about um they're just all over the place they they change year to year Uh, these are examples of what uh some of these things uh, can be i've lost track of them to be honest with you and I don't update this every single year Um, that's why you need to read the regulations uh, because for every rule there's an exception uh, there's an exception so you just have to kind of stay on top of this property rights and access is a growing concern in Indiana we are getting more and more people we are getting less places to fish and hunt times have changed access is diminishing and you know as voting adults this is something I hope that you you pay a lot of attention to the DNR I think does the very best they can with the money that they have if you are fishing on public lands Lake Monroe Um, dean wilderness area uh, most rivers you do not need permission if you are fishing on private property you absolutely need permission to do so if you're driving out through the country and there's this nice little lake over there and there's a parking lot you just can't stop and go in there and go fishing that's very likely someone's private property and so you need to ask permission in some states you have to have written permission that you can be on that property and fishing and and hunting so read the regulations and if you're changing states by all means read the the regulations there are a lot of uh, public access points the easiest way to find these things is honestly to go onto the DNR website and they have a section called Where to Fish. And it's a very good interactive uh, uh, program that they've set up there and you can find literally hundreds of places uh, to fish. One big question that comes up is who owns Indiana Streams? Technically, the public citizens of Indiana own the water in streams and rivers. They do not own the ground under the water. So, if you're fishing Sugar Creek up near Crawfordsville, beautiful beautiful stream you can be in a canoe and float down the stream and you're on public property if you pull over to the shore beach your boat and start walking around you're on private property most of the time this isn't an issue There are some cases where that becomes a huge issue. If you're a fly fisherman and you're wading a stream, generally it's not an issue. If you're out in the country, mostly farmland, and you're wading a stream, you're trespassing because you're physically on the bottom. If you're in a boat and the boat's floating on the water, you're on public property. So you get the distinction, and the, the rule of thumb is courtesy. It's not going to hurt to ask permission. And, and unless it's something you know wildly popular like, like Sugar Creek, uh, you really should ask permission. Um, I have stories I'm not going to bore you with right now. Um, most places in Indiana are private. And it's a really good idea uh, to to ask permission to to be there. Uh, Shoreline etiquette, um, number one, have a license. Uh, Make sure you have permission to to be where you are. If you're going down to Lake Monroe or out to um, uh, Yellowwood, those are public lands, so you you don't need uh, permission. Uh, Park in designated areas, please, please, please do that. And don't be a... Um, a butthead about this don't block people in or be stupid Um, just be a nice person I mean be nice to people Um, most fishermen I've come across are just super nice people every now and then you'll you'll get somebody who's having a really bad day Uh, just just steer clear Um, if there's a whole bunch of people fishing in one particular spot I don't fish there I'll go someplace else um obey all the uh, the uh, uh fish and wildlife regulations that you've learned about by studying the uh the regulations and generally just be a, a good sportsman um, one last uh, uh, thing <clears throat> with streams you have to learn to communicate if you're fishing a stream, um, you're waiting, and you come around a bend and you see somebody there, um, don't mess that area up for them. Be patient. Either uh, get out of the water and and walk around them quietly, um, not right there on the the shoreline, uh, but you know get get back away from the. Uh, uh, the, the, the stream um, and, and just talk to them you know, sometimes they'll say sure go ahead and, and fish through um, the, the biggest thing is, is communication uh, when, when you're out, out on a stream and the final thing that I like to talk about is leave no trace don't be a slob please if you brought it in take it out uh, I have a personal pet peeve with styrofoam bait containers, and spent fishing line. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like, you know, trigger warning. Um, these are two things that just really kind of set me off. I encourage you to carry a, a trash bag with you. Um, it doesn't have to be very big, you know, like a um, uh, grocery, you know, plastic bag Um, that doesn't take up very much space Uh, you can throw them in your in your creel or your tackle box or your pocket and you see some trash just pick it up and 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 take it out and and dispose of it properly Um, leave no trace is a program that was developed back during the the 70s when we were starting to see some real impact negative impact on uh, uh, outdoor use and it's just a kind of a philosophy of how to enjoy the natural resources without damaging it. If you want more information, there's a website right here uh, that you can can visit. Uh, Indiana um, University Outfitters oftentimes will invite Leave No Trace. Uh, people to come in and conduct seminars, and you can actually get certified and Leave No Trace. It's, it's, it's really a very good organization, and they they have principles for for different environments. You know everything from you know uh, lakes and streams to high alpine uh, meadows uh, to mountaineering. Um, you know how to you know climb mountains without trashing them up. Um, so if you're interested please check that out Uh, otherwise we're going to close this um, um, this lesson and we will jump into fishing tackle in the next lesson hope everyone has a wonderful week and stay safe